0: Greetings, everybody, and welcome to another installment
1: of Masters of Craft. It's hard to know what any situation, if it's good or bad. You know, you read a book from Eckhart Tolle, and he talks about how there's a guy who wins a car. And everybody tells... This gentleman, how lucky he is because he won this car. And his answer is maybe. A couple days later, he's driving his new car. He gets into a car accident, gets hit by a drunk driver, breaks his leg. Everybody goes to him and says, Oh my God, you're so unlucky. Maybe. While he's in the hospital, a storm comes and washes his house away. He would have died. So when I hear that story, I try not to put too much value on any one moment. And I'm just kind of focused on what can I learn and what can I do next.
0: Like if you Google Kellen Rowland, coffee is a 90% next to your name each time. What is your relationship with coffee?
1: I love coffee. Okay. I drink coffee every day, travel the world for whatever reason, whether it's work or personal, and I'm constantly looking for the best cup of coffee. I think the taste... The process of farmer making the coffee plant and cherry and then eventually extracting the bean and then getting that to your cup is a beautiful journey. I love making my coffee and ultimately I think coffee connects us. It's also the third most consumed beverage I believe in the world, third or second. Round! (laughs)
0: Listen to it. Talking to yourself. Um... Greetings, everybody, and welcome to another installment of Masters of Craft. Woo! Everybody, anybody want to cheer? You guys want to? Woo. Wow! Just
1: for the for the record, that's one out of five people <laughs> clapping. So we're at a twenty percent success rate right out of the gate.
0: It's a, it's also an increase from the last time. <laughs> so,
1: um,
0: in case you guys are tuning in for the first time, this show
1: is basically a collection of
0: people, places, things, experiences, ideas, brains that inspire me, and I hope they inspire you. Um, it's funny because th- the way you're looking at me right now is very intense. And one of our previous guests was like, oh, Kellen and eye contact. That's a thing. Like, it's an experience. Um, Kellen Roland, say hello.
1: Hi. Thank you for having me.
0: I had this whole thing written and I was going to go, it's Kellen rolling. They hating. And then I was going to transition into like riding dirty to being a new father and riding with dirty diapers. But let's start with the eye contact. Um, where does that come from? And, and what do you believe in when it comes to eye contact?
1: Well, you know, we're in this world where we're constantly meeting people and kind of showing up. So from a very young age... I started to equate a firm but respectable handshake and eye contact with a sign of respect to the person you're meeting, but also that you hold yourself with self-respect and that that interaction should start on equal ground. And now you can do too much eye contact, but I also don't want to ever feel aloof or not engaged because you know, when someone's giving you their time, or they're taking the opportunity to tell you something that's important to them, you should cherish that. That's beautiful. Um,
0: what? <laughs> let's just, let's just jump right in because I think um, you, you're talking about learning those sorts of interactive human behavior tra- traits early on. Um, walk us through your childhood I know there's bits and pieces of it out there um, But because I, I, I would think that the depth of which You experienced life at that
1: point in time Led you to what you just said So First thing just to Clear the air I don't believe anybody's story Is better or worse I think everyone has their story And however they showed up in the world And however they got to this moment Is unique to them and Whatever their background is, is just as important to them as mine. I grew up in Southern California. I was born in Van Nuys Hospital. My father is African-American. My mother is Irish-American. They are both deceased now. So I grew up a product of an interracial marriage. Um, I present white. And up until I was around 12, I had a very challenging childhood. And I could describe it in a way that would make you feel maybe even really bad for me, right? Like both of my parents were addicted to heroin. Um, I remember living in hotels and living with aunts or living with my grandmother. And through that journey, though there was moments that were really challenging, it also gave me the opportunity to see that it takes more than one group to raise a child. And that There's space for empathy in this world and more importantly, growth. So as someone who was kind of always living in two worlds, I found myself either overcompensating or kind of hiding what felt natural to me because the culture of my home was probably more akin to a what it would be like to grow up in a home where everybody was African-American because all of my aunts and my uncles were Identified as that more than on my mother's side that identified as Irish and it's interesting like my parents were at a really low point when I was 12 and They were at the point of losing me. I was gonna leave and never live with them again and that forced them to go into rehab and I ended up actually Living with Aaron Levant and his parents for about a year. They took me in And while my parents went to rehab, the beauty of this story though, is that beyond the age of 12 after rehab, my parents were perfectly clean and they checked all the boxes of good parents and supported me when I played football in high school and told me that I could be whatever I wanted to be when I grew up. And, you know, up until later in their life, they were great people. And though there was tragic moments I look back at my child and I loved it. And, you know, we were financially challenged for sure. Mm -hmm. Like I remember my dad, I mean, at one point my dad had his own business. It was great. And then there was a moment where my mom worked at 7-Eleven and my dad worked at Costco. And he was the guy that would like mark your receipts. And he's like the nicest guy. Everybody loves my dad. He knows he's got a guy everywhere. He's that guy. You know, when you walk (laughs) in, it's like, why is the manager of Ralph's walking us around Ralph's? Like, why do we know everyone at the car wash? Right. So he's got this electric personality. But, you know, as someone who is young, trying to understand who they are, I was kind of pissed that like, why is my dad the dude marking the rich kids receipts when they're walking out with five, you know, shopping carts of stuff? He never blinked, though, which he showed me that you do what it takes for your family. And, you know, I, I look back, I had a really great childhood
0: um now you are a parent as of what i mean like we're talking weeks right um what where are you with that (laughs) like you know given that story and given how you you know came up and what you've been able to accomplish in your own career which we'll talk about in a second but like how do you view parenting at the in these first early days and weeks
1: grateful it's a marathon um I am, number one, so thankful that I have a healthy daughter. She's six weeks old. You know, when my wife was pregnant, and I love my wife so much, I'm so lucky to have a woman in my life that is so strong and so powerful and supports me and is just a straight-up boss, period. What would she say about you? <laughs> Maybe she you, you should
0: have— we I... give you the same flowers
1: back? I— yes and she's pretty dope maybe you should have her on and ask her she's she's pretty fly yeah all right well, she, yeah next time she next time bring her but, i would she's bad she's breastfeeding oh okay no we don't need that on the <laughs> no show. that's not the look yeah no. um so how i look at parenting it's like how do i provide a safe environment where my daughter can be physically and mentally challenged and grow you know i think the problem that I project out into the future and that goes against my meditation practice. But as I look out into the future, it's like all the struggle that I grew up with made me who I am. And it made my wife who she is. My daughter, at least as of now, will not experience those same struggles. So how do I install the work ethic and the grit and the desire for constant self-improvement when she's not going to have to hear about overdraft fees she's not going to have to find her dad in the bed overdosed and call her uncle to come and save him she's not going to have to deal with those things um so I think it's a great honor to have a kid um I think the biggest challenge is being present
0: yeah well especially given that like i I have a couple of philosophies. One is we either turn out to be exactly like our parents or the exact opposite, right? Good, bad, indifferent. And uh, there's a quote that I love is sometimes we try so hard to give our kids what we didn't have that we forget to give them what we did have. And with my kids, sometimes I'm like, just go figure it out. Like, yes, I have the means to drive you or pay for. Or like, no, my daughter who just turned 18, like she knows I won't respond to texts sometimes. Can I do Crickets. Like figure it out. <laughs> like and then she'll she'll confront me later on and I'm like, Yeah, no, did you figure it out? Um, because like I but that's what I had to do. I was hopping on my bike. I was, you know, just figuring out how to do things, which I think kinda like feeds into the craft that I've been able to do with my like life and career and I think it's a perfect time for transition um, because you talk about like and growing up in this poverty state And your last stint as of again a few weeks ago your life has changed a lot in the <laughs> in the last couple months um, you know running as a CEO uh, of Jupiter for Pharrell and this is like high-end luxury items um, what I don't know, what, like, what do you look back on uh, and see? Like, well, now that you're in this space and you have a dad that worked at Costco checking receipts, and here you are, like, working with one of the most influential people of culture
1: of all time. <laughs> well, <clears throat> what that means to me is that wherever you're at, that's not where you're going to end up. And anything is really possible if you're willing to work hard and keep your eyes open for opportunity because to your point I shouldn't have had the career that I've had I should still live in government housing most likely be in some sort of issue with substance or financial issues but through hard work and my parents doing a few small things really really right I was able to create a career and, and cultivate opportunity But I don't really give, I don't want to take any credit really for my career. Um, I've constantly been surrounded by good people and they've opened doors for me. And I've just had a philosophy like my dad taught me when I was really young. He always told me a closed mouth does not get fed. And it really changed me. And it doesn't mean that I'm running around constantly asking for things, but it reminds me that if I want something in life, I have to go get it. Yeah, and I. But I think you also have to perform,
0: right? Like it's what you, you know, it's who you know that that opens the door. Is what you know and what you do that keeps you in the door and keeps you elevating. Um, so you know, as much as you may say, like, oh, it's the people that are around me. Like you had to show up. Um, what What is the Kellen Rowland superpower when you are in a workspace or in a collaborative space?
1: Adaptability. Being resourceful and getting the most out of teams. So, you know, when I started my last career journey, it was an entirely new space. So, it was a lot of learning, um, studying myself, uh, watching YouTube videos, reading, studying other companies, reading financial reports, um, understanding where the market was going, and then consistently always asking questions. I'm very comfortable in the room when I'm the least smart person. Hmm. So I try to find mentors and I seek mentorship out. And I really believe that when you have an opportunity to do something, you do have to show up. You know, for me to sit here and say I did nothing would be completely disingenuous. (laughs) Um, And I try to be resourceful. You know, like I'm willing to call someone and ask them for help if I I'm never going to know how to do everything.
0: We were having a conversation the other day and I like I had this metaphor of like you enjoy running into burning buildings. <laughs> um, and I, if you don't mind, you tell the anecdote about when Jupiter launched and and how what needed to be handled and the thrill you got out of handling it.
1: Yeah. So when when the company launched, we experienced a technical difficulty due to increased web traffic. And therefore it required the, the auction to be postponed for a few days. And what, what I had said to Chris the other day was that there's a lot of phone calls and a lot of things you have to do when anything doesn't go right. If something doesn't go as planned, you gotta talk to the people that maybe their expectations were let down or they need to be explained something. And I really enjoyed being able to handle the situation to the best of my abilities on behalf of the group so that we were in a position a few days later to follow through with our overall task and and really win and, and show that we could deliver on our promise and do what we set out to do. Because I really believe that there's always going to be issues. There's always going to be problems. And I want to have a what's next mindset in all situations. So if something doesn't go right, okay, what happened? Okay, let's move on and try to fix it.
0: Yeah. Um, do you know who the CEO of Verizon is? I do not. That's my point. Um, so I think when you're working for like a, I, Mother or Jupiter and you have a very public figure and your job is to translate their imagination into real things. And, you know, there's a high level of visibility when the thing doesn't work and all these things. Like how do you manage that relationship of handling the business and also handling the perception of the individuals behind the business?
1: Just be honest and truthful and do the right thing. Yeah. That's all you can do. Yeah and be upfront, you know, I think I really appreciate, um, there's a guy that I listen to, his name's Scott Galloway. He's on a couple podcasts, he's, you know, pretty well known and he just talks about how, you know, whenever anything doesn't happen as planned or goes wrong, you stand up and you take responsibility. So I just think you take responsibility for all situations and you don't need to be the head of a company to take the responsibility every day we're given opportunities to take responsibility, learn and grow and ultimately move on because I, I don't really believe like, of course there's bad things. Uh, yes. But it's hard to know what any situation, if it's good or bad. Can I give you an anecdote on why I, I believe you this?
0: An I was trying to look like I was smart when, as you were saying it. Well, like,
1: you know, and this is a very like I, I'll tell you a version of this that's like, you know, you read a book from Eckhart Tolle and he talks about how, you know, there's a guy who wins a car and everybody tells this gentleman how lucky he is because he won this car. And his answer is maybe a couple of days later, he's driving his new car. He gets into a car accident, gets hit by a drunk driver, breaks his leg. Everybody goes to him and says, oh, my God, you're so unlucky. Maybe, while he's in the hospital, a storm comes and washes his house away. He would have died. So when I hear that story, I try not to put too much value on any one moment, and I'm just kind of focused on what can I learn and what can I do next.
0: Yeah. Can I also share an Eckhart Tolle anecdote? I would love that. Um, uh, I think it was in the Power of Now. He talks about uh, like when he was in grad school. You're just gonna drink while I'm talking. You just.
1: Yes, I am. (laughs) He's like, "Mm mm-hmm.
0: No, no, when he was in grad school, he said he was on the bus and he was going to campus. And he's like, there was a homeless woman on the bus also. And she was, like, going off. Like, like, you shouldn't have never did this. And, like, just having this conversation with nobody. And he was just fascinated by it. And then, like, she wasn't getting off the bus and he wasn't getting off the bus. And then they got to campus. He got off. She got off. She walked that way. He walked that way. And he realized in that moment, he's like, the only difference between her and us is that she was saying her thoughts out loud. You know, who are you mad at? What are you worried about? What's going on? The conversation you're going to have tomorrow, the conversation you had yesterday, you know, all this chatter that goes on, which, you know, um, one of the things we also talked about was your post recently about your 60,000 hours of meditation. Um, I don't think I've done 60,000 hours of anything ex- except being black, but um, I don't think I've, I've done that many. But um, wh- why? Why, why the 60,000 hours? When did it start? Why does it continue? What do you get out of it?
1: Well, as a younger person growing up with highs and lows, you create mechanisms and tools to deal with life. And sometimes that's, you know, being really funny or being really smart or sometimes being an asshole. Or sometimes you're, it's easy to get triggered. You know, sometimes we walk around and it's like, you know, you see people in the car and they're banging on the steering wheel over like the slightest, you know, someone accidentally swerves in their lane. So I was very reactive. It was easy to get under my skin. And my, um, I had a really good friend who was going through like a crazy breakup. This is like 15 years ago, almost, And he told me about this book called 10% Happier. And it was about a skeptical guy who started to learn meditation. His name is Dan Harris. And it just felt like this is something that I could really use. And I started to meditate. And then I started to realize something that I had never known. Like I grew up an athlete, played sports my whole life. I understand the concept of like run hard, get in shape lift weights get stronger no one had ever explained to me that there was mental well-being that concept did not enter my household so with meditation i learned like oh wow i can actually separate myself from my thoughts and my feelings i can be in a situation that maybe is uncomfortable i could be faced with something that is not what i'm looking for and then from there i can choose to respond versus choosing to react and what it means to me today is i believe it's a superpower i would say anybody that does not like meditate or have that practice if they learn that skill i think you show up in every situation in life with a bigger toolkit to handle more situations and find more ways to be successful through personal relationships and professional
0: um Wrote down looks like the athletic parallelism you just did. What's um, oh, said parallelism? That was I like and I, almost did it flawlessly. You did. There's a lot of like, yeah, that went up. But I think when you're in a sport or something physical, like you feel it immediately in the moment. Meditation is a little bit more ethereal. It's a little bit more like, is it like, is it working? Especially in the beginning and especially if you feel like I'm not doing this right. I keep thinking about my taxes or <laughs> whatever. Um, I think the learning curve is a little different and then there's less immediate visceral ev- evidence
1: that it works. Um, talk, talk, talk to us about the gap. The The interesting thing is it's just a misconception, right? Like when the average person thinks about meditation, they envision somebody sitting with their legs crossed with not a thought in their mind. And people get it wrong in the sense that it's not about what happens while you're meditating. It's the effect after. It's the effect. So if you meditate 10 minutes, it's the other minutes of the day that are what counts. So in the beginning, you don't know if it's working. But then, you know, a few weeks later, whatever that time is, something may happen that used to trigger you And you may have that realization that like, oh, that's a thought or feeling. I don't have to react. You know, like we have somewhere between 60 and 80,000 thoughts that go through our head a day. You know, I'm not telling my heart to beat. My heart's just beating. Thank God. So when you realize that every thought that you have is not something that you created, it's a lot easier to let that thought dissipate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um all right so you put that into into practice. Like how does that especially when you I, I keep the phrase that came to mind in my 60,000 thoughts that just went in my head that, during the sec, that section of conversation is identity crisis. Yeah. Right being biracial and knowing in some circles you may have to prove yourself or you feel like you have to prove yourself. Yeah. This could be self-imposed, could be actual. Um, and then you translate that into the work. you going from like a Herschel to um, to an I am other. And I think there's these cultural cues that we all pick up on when we encounter someone. Um, how did you find yourself showing up differently in those? Sort of, like? Give me a, like a real world example.
1: You know, listening more, you know, when you're going from a young kid who maybe doesn't quite understand where he fits because he you know i really identify with you know what was the culture of my household whether that was my dad and my uncle reciting dolomite and selling wolf tickets to i'm peter wheatstraw it's, the devil's son-in-law I can't can't do the rest of that because I mean, there is some stuff here that is just (laughs) it is so if I said it, I'd be (laughs) over. But look it up. Rudy Ray Moore. Um, And eventually, you know, you just realize that you got to be who you are. And I think in a professional world. It's all about looking around you and asking yourself, what's the mission? Are we here to do good? Are we here to put an exceptional product in the market? Are we here to serve our clients? You know, I was having lunch with another a founder yesterday with an incredibly profitable, exceptional business, and it's in the client services space, and every day they show up to make someone's day. And I find if you can identify the mission, the day-to-day interactions tend to take care of themselves. Um, But I think some of it is just trying to be authentic to who you are.
0: Yeah. Well, no, I feel like, you know, there's a point in time, a life phase or whatever you want to call it, where we finally give ourselves permission to be our whole selves. You know, like I did stand-up comedy for a long time and then, you know, and I wrote comedy for a while and then... When I was taking like jobs in between gigs, I felt like I couldn't be humorous in the workplace. And then what, like I felt like I couldn't talk business and then comedy, like I had to be ha ah, ha, you know? And so eventually, and even like the language I use, right? Like when I'm working with a, a group of black people and code switching, if you want to call it that, like all these different things. And then eventually I was like, ah, what, am I, what am I afraid of? You know, and you start to like test the water is a little bit like, I'm, I'm safe. You know, if you want to talk about meditation and affirmations and those sorts of things that that come up along the way, um, what, you know, what is, what's your relationship with that dynamic
1: growing? It's a process. Yeah. I mean, this is gonna, this may be taken out of context and I may regret saying it, but I mean, even today it's like I was on my way here and I, you know, really thought what watch I should wear. And in how I wanted to show up and I felt like, oh, I'm going to wear a nicer watch because I'm on camera and I got to be this. And I'm like, but you know what? Like, I'm really into fitness right now and I, I want to close my ring. So, like, I'm just going to wear my Apple watch because that's who I am right now. I don't need to put on something fancy to try to overcompensate or to make myself, you know, maybe someone's watching this and they don't know who I am. Right. And they might be like, who the fuck is this guy?
0: But if I have with those J's on, though.
1: Yeah, I had to hit him with a <laughs> no, I mean.
0: Well, hold on. I had, to, I had to
1: do this, too. I, yeah. have, I figured it was going to be you. And I was <laughs> like, but I,
0: did the, I went through the same decision-making process, right, of like, oh, oh, it's going to be Kellen. What should I? And, and I'll, I'll, I wish I was a Mark Zuckerberg. was just like, all right, here's uh, for many reasons. But for, from a fashion standpoint, <laughs> it's like, oh, not the go get the hoodie at the club. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't need the money. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. No, I'm just kidding. But, yeah, like, I, I, I sorry, continue. I just I, I identified with that point.
1: Yeah, but you know I think every day we're given opportunities to you know be ourselves and I really love what you said, you know, you you test the water and you realize people love you more when you are who you are. And then here's the real mind can I curse?
0: Yeah, go ahead. Really. The mind fuck? Is that what you the, Yeah, say? the
1: real mind fuck We prefer
0: mind intercourse.
1: Yeah, okay. Mind intercourse uh is that then you really realize Most people are just consumed with themselves anyways. (laughs) So you could agonize for hours on what color button up. Am I going to hit him with the nice watch or this watch or whatever? And then you realize everyone is just kind of worried about their own shit, which I think is a symptom of there's a lot of pressure in this world to, to be beyond who we think we are because of whether it's social media or financial pressures. And, you know, one of the greatest I think luxuries of life is having a few minutes to actually think.
2: Hmm.
0: i also think like when you mentioned like most people are kind of just concerned with themselves, it's almost like a networking magic trick. Like, especially for people who are younger in their career, and I get asked this all the time. It's like, oh, you know, how do I expand my network? It's like, just reach out to people. Ask them to talk 15 minutes. I want to talk to you about you. Like, most people love talking about themselves, even if, you know, in some place deep down, dark inside, like, they are not satisfied. They're not happy. But you give me an opportunity to tell you all the things that I know. You know, that, like, then it's it's all. But we almost come to it. Come, at it from a place of like oh that person doesn't have time or they're not going to talk to me right the concern with self actually can work to your advantage to your advantage yeah um you are entering a great period of your life and career um you left a, a, a pretty decent job and um you don't know what you're going to do next or do you or what is that what does this gray area feel like for you at this point in time new kid milestone birthday year like there's just so much (laughs) this pivotal moment of
1: of pivoting I'm grateful I'm grateful for the career that I've I've had I've been able to work with so many incredible people that have given me opportunities allowed me to show up and and learn and be a part of incredible teams and I'm i am So thankful that I've been able to be present with my wife and to be there for our daughter. It's opened my eyes to some of the structural issues with this country and how we don't allow parents to be there for their kids when they need them the most. That irks me. Um, And as far as what I'm going to do next, I don't know. I'm out there exploring and, and talking to people and I'm excited to do something. Um, I love people, you know, I was thinking about what makes me the most happy and it's always generally around teams of people and bringing groups together and getting out of the way and letting people be great. Um, but it's a fun time to, to not know. I've never not had an active role. You know, it's another thing where I, I considered not coming on because I felt like, okay, I'm not here to like, I'm not announcing something. <laughs> I'm, you know, putting myself out into this space to basically say I don't know what I'm going to do next, but the reason that I wanted to do this is a I have a lot of respect for you and and to your point, you know, we've been reaching out to each other and you were so kind and gracious to bring me into this space and my whole goal is like if I can just inspire one person, like if one person watches this, which would be not good for you because we need more numbers <laughs> right, than that.
0: Or, or even one more, one more person applauds. When exactly, yeah, way. so
1: we can get two out of five. Yeah, yeah, two out of five. And, and they feel like, oh, like that, that guy didn't have the typical upbringing to have any type of success. Maybe I can dream bigger. And I think that's a, something I try to do every day is like, can I dream a little bigger?
0: Uh, what's it like being a day walker? I kept thinking about Blade, right? Because you're you're <laughs> you, you, it'll make sense in a second, I promise. Um, but no, like being biracial and presenting white, I think is is interesting, especially possibly being in rooms or overhearing things that you're like, oh, oh uh, do, you do know that, like what what have you witnessed
1: or encountered that you're like, oh shit. Um. Well, I mean, it's resulted in in physical altercations. Um, When I was in, when I was in college, you know, I would be in the room and I would hear things and I would, I don't back down and I'm not willing to allow someone to say something about my father or our extended family or anything and not say anything, but that goes beyond just black. Like if I hear anything that is off base, I'm saying something, right? I don't think I'm tough. I don't think I could like overpower a group of people. Like I probably could have got my ass whooped, but like I never felt comfortable allowing that stuff and I can't let it slide. And people are, you know, I've just been around some groups where they're very loose with, The words they use, especially when they think that they're by themselves. Um, All right. I won't ask you for a solid example, but. I'll give you one. Let's go for it. I mean, I think, I mean, there's two that kind of come to mind, like, and I'll say one of them. But, I mean, I was just, I've been in, like, the college dorm and, like, you know, you hear someone dropping the N-word. And, you know, you kind of got to say, like, hey, that's not it. we're not saying that here why well because this or you know sometimes you try to do it as a teaching moment where it's like well hey look well this is your ancestry how would you feel if if i started popping off about them and then they kind of you know at least tighten up but i also try to believe that people are generally good and they just need education and that they don't generally know how hurtful it could be Mm -hmm. and the pain that it can bring, you know? And those are the things that it's not about, at least in my opinion, like it's not about like punking someone. It's more about like, Hey man, that's not, that's not cool. Like you're better than that. Like I know you in all of these other situations, like be that person that you would be happy to record this moment and show it to your unborn kid.
0: I love it. Uh, speaking of n words, uh, Caleb.
1: <laughs> wow! <laughs> and what a
2: transition! And Who I have trans- no idea I'm where to go with I'm that. I'm gonna <laughs> the segue, you know. Um,
0: yeah. What,
1: what
2: you, what's your opinion on the n word? <laughs> well, it's it's actually really funny because we actually have this, I had this <laughs> Is kind of, It's funny. Is oh. the <laughs> not the okay. word. Not oh, the it's word. funny dog. What? Okay. No, like. I, it, it's a conversation that has actually come up quite a bit just because, like, I grew up, like, I don't touch the word. I'm not, like, I, I'd stay away from the word completely. Um, and, you know, every version, not even, like, the, you know, removing the hard R and, like, just saying, you know, more casually, but, like, i just, I, I just stay away from it. Um, but, like, the younger generation right now loves that word. Like, they will use it ruthlessly just for the sake of using it. Like, the younger generation right now, they don't care what they say. Like, it's funny because, you know, we talk about a lot of, like, uh, you know, the younger generations, like, being more, you know, cautious about uh, offending people. But, like, the, the younger, like, the teenagers right now, like, Gen Z, like, they don't, like, they're they're so, I think, over, like, everything is offensive that they just say the most offensive things ever to just say it. And so, like, y- you go into, like, a, a Call of Duty lobby online and there's just kids saying the N-word back and forth, like, all the time. Just for, you know, well, All sorts of, things.
0: of I, th- I think there's definitely, like, a duality to, of, like hyper aware and hyper, you know, hypersensitive to offense of all sorts. And then there's a recoil to that. Right. And I don't know like how culture bounces back and forth from like a Barack Obama to a, you know, to a Donald Trump. And, you know, there's these recoil effects that happen. I don't know if that pops up in your world work wise or otherwise, like if you have any thoughts on it.
1: You know, there's, um, there's a tendency to, to judge anything that we don't quite understand and it's hard for me to understand what you just described like I've never been in that lobby I've never heard that kind of looseness of sure. throwing that around sure but in general I find that across generational differences there's a lot of misunderstandings um and I'm going to take it maybe off of this sensitive level of a topic, but just, I think even in the workplace of culture, younger people want raises faster. They want to move forward faster. They have higher expectations of their managers and of their bosses. And I'm seeing a lot of bosses and managers be uncomfortable in these situations. And in my opinion, as the boss or the manager, we need to adapt to the younger generation. Cause I would say this, a 21-year-old kid today probably knows a lot more about business and strategy than I knew at 21 because when I was 21, it was 2001. Like We weren't thinking the way that young kids are. We didn't have the access to start LLCs and to do all these things to where now having your own business is like common knowledge. But I think when I was growing up, it was much different. So I think it's about adaptability. Um, but to your point about you know, going from Barack Obama to to a President Trump and to President Obama. People are hurt. You know, people are lonely. People are struggling. And it's very easy to jump into the divide into what makes us different. But, you know, when you hear these statistics like the average household can't absorb a $500 unplanned bill and then you want to spend a lot of time talking about why people don't like each other, you miss the plot. <laughs> you know, what, what, do, what did do, do, these motherfuckers are struggling? Yeah. Like I've been there, you know, like I remember like having to like watch my dad, like not be able to pay the rent. You know, like I remember those moments of what it felt like to be like, oh, we live in a hotel. Like not Rosewood, you know, not Montecito. I'm talking about like motel shit, Mm -hmm. like front door out, Mm -hmm. you know, anybody can roll up. Um, And I don't say that to like, I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad for me. I'm just saying I can identify with what it is to not have. And if you don't have and you live in a scarcity mindset, by result, you're in survival mode. And at the end of the day, you put anybody in survival mode. That's not it.
0: I love this through line of like, I heard Drew Carey say this once. He said he was trying to get to a place where he could forgive people ahead of time. Because everybody's going to offend us in some way, shape, or form at some point. Inadvertently, they may have had a bad day and whatever. Um, And I think about this a lot where I I also don't believe there's bad people. I think there are a lot of people who've been misguided along the way or misdirected or, you know, it's a recoil or an effect of some childhood. I mean, even if we want to talk about Trump for a second, it's like we all have heard the stories about his dad, right? It's like the worst case outcome scenario from that sort of stimulus as, as a, you know, from an upbringing standpoint. Um, you know, how does that show up in how you meet people where you walk into a room and, you know, there's business dealings and somebody is like tempers are flaring or, you know, all the things that we have to deal with on a day-to-day basis, even despite your superpower.
1: It's not about me. I love it. You know, I mean, that's kind of it's not it. like a you problem, right? It's just it's it's <laughs> to your point, though, like we don't know what that person went through that morning. Like we don't know that that person's life could be, you know, they might have a sick mother. They might have a sick child. They might have just got news from their doctor that's un. you know, not what they wanted to hear. Or they might just be pissed off because the fucking Lakers lost. So if you don't take things personally, I think it's a lot easier to give people more space and grace. Um, And then just try to like ask questions and kind of read the room. Like, you know, maybe today is not the day to ask for the deal. Like the energy's off. I'm gonna come back tomorrow.
2: Yeah. Well, and and what's interesting to me too, is I've said this a lot uh, is like, People have bubbles that they grow up in and that they live, that they experience, and everybody's bubble is so different. Like the thread that you you mentioned earlier, I think, I don't remember if it was this conversation, different conversation, but like of all the history leading up to the moment that they are now, like all the things that you don't know about them, about their story, about the puzzle pieces that make them, you know, I talk about when people look at you and it's like they're looking at just different pieces of the puzzle. They don't have the entire picture. They don't have the entire view. They don't know what bubble you grew up in and what you know, struggles you've had or, or blessings you've had. And I think that it's interesting because we live in this internet world where everybody comes together. And I think there's in some ways such division because we don't recognize that this person grew up so differently than you, even though they're on the internet it feels like you're all in the same place. Like, you know, all you need to do is travel the world a little bit and you start to see how different the world is and not even just to a different country. Right. And I, you know, and I've been to like El Salvador and like third world countries. It's, it's, it's so vastly different, but then even just going from like the Midwest to Los Angeles and just feeling that bubble different, it's, it's, it's the culture shock. It opens you up to a reality of like, just, you know, I've always said this it's, it's oftentimes the conflict isn't about race. It's about culture. Because, like, that's really the only difference between races is the culture, right? Like, I mean, besides, you know, look at the color of our skin, whatever. But, like, that's – on the fundamental level, we are all human beings. But our cultures are different. And the things that we experience and the way we're raised and the, and the family dynamic and the traditions we celebrate and all that stuff, that's the only really difference between us. And that, but that's the bubble. Right and and we don't know what everyone else's bubbles are and and it's just learning to like love people regardless of what we think or perceive of them and to your point like you don't know what people have experienced <laughs> today or this week or in this last month or in this season of their life.
1: And I think the other thing that's interesting and Tim Ferriss talked about this a lot and I don't have the exact anecdotes to look it up but it's like it's also easy to forget that every like all the ways we do things are not necessarily correct like we think oh shower than this or eat with a four like there's these things that we (laughs) adopt as like this is the only way to do it but you go to another country and you see that there's so many other ways to do things and as i was preparing for fatherhood I, uh, I watched this really interesting documentary. I think it's on iTunes, it's called Babies. It's from like 2005, and it documents like five different babies being born. One in Mongolia, one in Japan, one in France, one in like Nigeria, and one in like San Francisco. Yeah. There's no- You're
0: to that San Francisco baby. No, I'm uh, kidding.
1: No. Wow. <laughs> <No. laughs> wow. <Whoa. laughs> let's cut that up and put that on (laughs) shorts now um got it the uh (laughs) there's no audio it just follows them but you realize very quickly there is actually no one way to raise a baby you can raise a baby like one woman has a kid hops on the back of a moped with the kid and leaves the hospital some kids have every toy and gadget you could think um in africa a lot of kids spend time on the ground and i don't even want to say the dirt because i think that implies like a net it's like that's the life and world they live in these kids are happy they're healthy they're smiling they're doing all the things that you could do with all the different gadgets so like what it what i took away from it is that there's more than one way to do something Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and if we can be open-minded hopefully that results in more space for more understanding. I took
0: a a relationship class long ago, and I remember one guest speaker came in, and the topic of the day was, I remember the phrase really well, because it was, uh, what's the issue when the issue isn't the issue? And the anecdote that they used as a central component to it was like, you know, some couple is arguing about the dishes and next thing you know it's like i hate you i hate your face and like i'm leaving right like it's it's the dishes and they talked about like well maybe in your household if you were the person who cooked you were also the person who washed the dishes in your household if you cooked then the other person washed the dishes so you have this conditioning that you enter that you don't even realize like the way i actually feel loved or honored or respected or heard or seen is is rooted in something such a small difference. And, and, you know, you add that to like laundry or the socks or, you know, who's putting gas in the car, all these things. Now you've got a terrible relationship because you just entered the world from two very different angles. Right. And like, it's, it's kind of a, a, a mind intercourse.
1: Well, <laughs> you know, the easiest way to, you know, not have a good relationship or not have a good day is by applying a bunch of expectations. You know, and when we expect things, you can be let down. You couple that with poor communication. Mind intercourse.
0: (laughs) (laughs) intercourse. There it is. Um, I I can't let you get out of here without talking about coffee because it like it shows up on like if you Google Kellen Roland, coffee is ninety percent next to your name each time. Um, What is your relationship with coffee?
1: I love coffee. Okay. I drink coffee every day. I travel the world for whatever reason, whether it's work or personal, and I'm constantly looking for the best cup of coffee. I think the taste, the process of the farmer making the coffee plant and cherry and then eventually extracting the bean and then getting that to your cup is a beautiful, journey. I love making my coffee. And ultimately, I think coffee connects us. It's also the third most consumed beverage I believe in the world, third or second. Um, makes me feel comfortable, makes me feel happy. I like to give it to people. I like to drink it with people. I like to drink it by myself. Yeah, I think coffee is just the best. <laughs> <laughs> You should just become the spokesperson for coffee. Like,
0: you know, like milk, you know, just uh, I was like, why is that the thing? The other thing uh, um, when I think about coffee, because you I think it's a lot of tasting, testing, going and traveling and trying different things. The other thing about your Google ability, another fancy multi-syllabic word, um, is that you have a Pinterest account. You had a podcast. You have Twitter. You like you like have experimented, been on like. Most of the platforms that are out there uh, more so than most people i 've seen and active uh, why is that what's your appetite for experimentation and trying things and just seeing what things are like
1: I think that 's an innovator's trait but you i feel like you do it to the max i mean i'm like a i'm a nerd i'm a nerd I love gadgets i love like we grew up watching like Star trek and like sci fi so like I love to experiment and to test out new things. Um, So whether it's like a robot vacuum or like XM radio or getting a new car brand that no one is up on, I love all that stuff. And with technology, it's just such like a fruitful playground to play. So, you know, I remember, you know, when I first learned about Facebook, I thought that was so interesting. And then I I was on MySpace really early and I ended up being on Tom Tom's top eight. <laughs> Did you? So I had like so many friends. I mean thousands of people. I didn't really connect the dots that there was like a business there. So I was just like effing off, like, you know, whatever, messaging people. And and then, you know, I remember how important that was. And then I remember I got like my first job was with Aaron. He hired me to work at agenda trade show at the time. And then that eventually was became the network and the sales agency. And, and that part of my, that chapter of my life. But, and I remember like telling Aaron, I'm like, bro, agenda needs a, MySpace account. Like, and so we set one up, but I'm also, I think maybe a little dyslexic. So I play, I spelled agenda wrong. Why do you, why? Cause it's, you know, I don't know. I, what did I know? I was like, it's like 2005, but right. like we got the account set up. We eventually fixed it. But, um, Oh, you yeah, put I love the it. Wrong, on the account. Yeah. Yeah. Hilarious. It was a Genda show. Um, so so my appetite is I like to experiment. I've had a podcast. I had a website that you probably couldn't find that was um, all about food. And I wrote about all the burgers in L.A. and, and milkshakes. And it was all about excess. It was called the gluttony. Um, and I loved it. And, you know, I I, I yearn for that. I love to create. I love to communicate. I love to tell people about stuff. Like, I'm telling you, I'm the most effective influencer that you don't know. Because, like, when I find <laughs> something that is hot, I'm, I'm converting. Like, I'm going to get you a robot vacuum. I'm, not, I'm that dude. I'm, good, look, you brought me a li- Yeah.
0: Coffee? Thank I brought you. you coffee. Thank you. Thank you.
1: So my point is whenever I find something that I like, I cannot help
2: but evangelize it to as many people as I will listen to me so I have a question then for you because I feel like that's a thing that has always been intriguing to me is like these hidden hobbies in the world. Like there's things that like we talked about escape rooms before I'm obsessed with escape rooms, but there's these like worlds of things that people just don't know about. And then once you like taste it, you're like, Oh my gosh, where has this thing been all my life? What is the thing for you right now? That is just like, people need to know more about this thing that they don't. Wow.
1: My inclination is to say coffee, right? <laughs> because that's the thing. But it's like everyone knows about that. Low key, I am obsessed with robot vacuums <laughs> Um, because I just feel like they can clean the house and it takes such a burden off and you don't want dust in your house. So like I get really into that. Oh, I think the other thing though that I'm I'm into and I don't think it's anything that's a secret, but just how... Exercise can improve your mental fitness and improve longevity. So I've been down some pretty deep rabbit holes with like Dr. Peter Atiyah or, or Andrew Huberman and like, okay, should I be supplementing and, and how can I improve my longevity? And, you know, all of those things are like top of mind for me right now because I want to live a long life. And it's not that I'm looking for a shortcut, but I want to find what's the optimization and then I just feel like I wish there was healthy donuts because I'm addicted to donuts. I love donuts, and I have a really, really big sweet tooth, and I'm just – On one
0: of your podcasts, you were like, I just, you just finished your second donut. Like, I was like, really? But, but that's, you talked about it. Like, it was just like you were so excited
1: about it. Like, that's <laughs> light work, though. I could do, like, eight oh, in my, a row. Oh, my bad. Okay. But, like, like, it's, but, I also understand it's a problem, and it's like this is, I think – one of the things that maybe I think more people should be aware of, which is not a thing, but it's just like, we need space for nuance. Nothing is, I want to say black or white, like nothing is black or white. Like it's not that simple. It's not like don't ever eat sugar. It's just like, how do you create a moderated lifestyle where you can do things where you're happy, but you're not killing yourself. Cause you know, you look at a lot of society and if the science is correct or the statistics are correct, you know, we're not really doing ourselves a favor day to day. Yeah. What's the thing? Oh, sorry. Can I ask you guys questions? Not really. What are you guys into that people <laughs> should know about? Escape rooms. 100%. My friend made a movie about escape rooms. I'll send it to you.
2: Is it, a, is it the movie called Escape Room?
1: No, I think it's another one. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: a good I like brainstorming with it. <laughs> um, what, what is coffee? Yeah, what yeah. is
0: uh, uh, I don't know what, like, what, I, what have I been into? I keep thinking, I keep thinking about collard greens and cabbage as part as, as I don't know, a sub brand for you. Um, cause collard greens is a black community. I, I'm very,
2: I, I, yes. Thank you. Okay. Appreciate that.
0: Um, <laughs> what am I into? That's a really good, I don't know. It's a weird question. It's a weird, it's a weirdly tough question to answer. Um, I'll probably be into coffee cause here's the thing. I think you have such an intimate relationship with it which is different than like how i consume certain things i've learned to like really slow down my pace of things i engage with if i'm watching a tv show like i get into my body and i like i want to feel whatever the filmmakers or the producers the actors are trying to do rather than be a passive participant in it and like oh oh, this show sucks like i want to go like ooh! i started watching uh transatlantic uh last night and it's this is you know show about like escaping nazi germany and but it has a really weird mm. like funky rich tone to it and like almost like a heist kind of mm-hmm. tone to it but i'm just like i'm was so much absorbing the artistry of it and like i'm trying to get in the habit of doing that with more things i experienced yeah mm. and it could be just be like walking through a mall and looking at the architecture or like and i think that's just slowing down and i know we're, we're clo- close to time but I think that is very much countercultural uh, in relation to a point that you made earlier about this cultural immediacy and younger people in their careers, or how we might expect, oh, you're 26, why are you asking me for a raise, or you haven't done shit yet, like. And there's this uh, tension in how we expect progression to happen. Yeah. And so I just try to appreciate it all and like exhibit a, some form of empathy that comes as part of existing on this planet, right? I want to really understand where people come from. That's why I like doing this kind of a format. It was like, yeah, you created dope things, but like, how do, who the fuck are you? And like, how did that happen? And yeah. you know, like what gears were going on in your brain and like, how can people learn from activating those switches? So yeah, yeah. no, that's incredible. I, I- um, final question, masters of craft. Um, what's a thing you're trying to master still?
1: Life. You know, I don't think you can ever be good at, you know, you can never reach your full, full potential. I think we're always trying to improve. Um, I really I really looked up to Kobe a lot. And, like, you know, I, I never knew him or anything like that. And him passing, it still affects me today. And I just really appreciated that he was never done. And I think... I don't know a lot about creating children's books or, you know, world building in that sense, but even the, the way that he transitioned from basketball to that and the way that he did it was so inspiring. So I'm just trying to get better today and hopefully get better tomorrow and maybe find the best cup of coffee in the world and then try to find another one.
0: What is the best coffee experience you've had?
2: That's what I wanted to know. <laughs> yeah. So you open your mouth, and I was like, no. And then <laughs> so, so,
1: so I think uh, when you go to Japan um, in Tokyo, you find a level of respect to all aspects of inexperience experience or production. So what that means to me is you walk into the shop, And you get the feeling that whether you are the head honcho, the main person in charge, or you are sweeping the floor and you're taking the trash out, you're doing it with pride. So I find that when you go to Japan and you drink coffee there, you eat food there, whatever that experience is, it it generally feels exceptional. So there's a coffee store uh, called Cafe Mamea. They have a couple locations in Tokyo and you walk in and you feel a love and passion for coffee that it's so infectious, but they do not make anyone feel unwelcome. Hmm. Cause the problem with artistry is you can walk into a shop and you get that, you know, the finger up. And if you don't know what they know, you feel like an asshole. Mm -hmm. And I was in the coffee shop And I'm geeking out talking, you know, what's the process, what's the beans? And you know, they give you the nod like, okay, you know, you kind of know your shit. To my right, there was another patron who was like, I don't even like coffee, like I drink this. And and they gave that person as special of an experience Hmm. as me. And I thought, wow. Cause like they could have just been like, nah, this is only for like, people that are obsessed. And I thought that was really amazing. And and to your point, you asked me the other thing about mastery. I, I am every day focused on being a better husband, um, being the best father that I could be, and being a good community member to whether it's in a work environment or within my friend group. And I hope that I can give more than I ever take.
0: Uh, well, you're giving us a lot, and I'll take it. Thank you, Kellen Rowland, for joining us. Thank you. Kellen Rowland. Did, did anybody ever do that, by the way? You couldn't help yourself. I couldn't, but have you ever gotten that one, though?
1: So, oh, man. did I tell you the story about the airplane? <laughs> no, what story about what airplane? So, you know, I was younger, and I was, I was late for um, I was late for a flight. What do you do when you're late to a flight? You You run. You know, you run to the gate and you kind of show up and you're all disheveled and you either are extremely kind of disappointed because you missed your flight or you're relieved. And generally, if you're relieved, the gate agent gives you some sort of a, you know, they're happy for you, kind of like, you made it, Chris. And um, I get to my gate and I'm like, oh my God, I made it. And the gate attendant is like bummed. They're like, Sour face and they're just not Happy and I'm like I'm not understanding what's going on here I'm like how did I offend you I'm not even I didn't even get here yet And the the person Then discloses to me that They thought That Kelly Roland was <laughs> Rushing to the gate Not Kellen Roland So instead of meeting someone from Destiny's Child they met Me and obviously, as much as I would like to think that meeting me is as good as meeting someone from Destiny's Child, it just wasn't. And they were pissed. I made the flight, though, but it was a very, uh, it was the name thing.
0: Well, truth be told, I, I thought I was emailing this invitation to Kelly so,
1: um And that's 10 years of comedic experience, so, everybody. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank you. Appreciate you. This is amazing. Thank yes. you.
2: Self-five. No, you get one too. Oh, get one. Hey. Woo Cross the Across the, yeah,
0: oh, Across wow, the Chasm.
1: Done. Yeah. All right. Good? Yeah. All right. Thanks. Yeah.